The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I went through it all. Sleeping on the mattress of bad credit to being a financial educator. From having this anger in my heart of the world and how they treat me to remembering that pride is caring for others as much as you care for yourself. Hold your station, this education is relevant. The motivation through conversation is evident. We're talking spiritual body, mind, development. This is the manhood experiment. The manhood experiment. The manhood. All right, welcome back to the manhood experiment. In this episode, we're going to talk to a man who has had a lot of struggle in his life, but took a risk and succeeded. The theme for this episode is about knowing your worth. So keep that in mind. We're going to be covering this and you're going to get a lot of good nuggets. But first, let's do a check-in with the boys. Dreams, how are you doing? Ah, brother, I'm blessed, man. Blessed, feeling good. I got everything I need, you know? Things are challenging at times. Definitely come to the end of the year, preparing for the next year. A lot of pieces, but overall, man, you keep your head low sometimes, keep your chin up, do it both at the same time, and keep moving. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like that. <laughs> Jay? Uh, life's good, man. In a, in a good groove right now. Super stoked right now on my latest challenge that I just ate up the goal of that 400 meter. I put together a little mashup on YouTube with a little 15 minute video of all my training chasing after 55 seconds so that's been very gratifying babies making a lot of development little newborn sleeping six hours never thought i'd be so happy to get a string of a five six hours sleep but uh mm-hmm. i'm like a newborn man papa's got a new bag <laughs> papa's got a brand new bag i hear that man that like sleep that. is no I like joke that. i remember that time what about you t how you feeling man well, I've been on the road. I came from Las Vegas to San Diego. This is my last time in San Diego for the year, I think. I had some dental work up in Encinitas. Shout out to my dentist, Dr. Aaron Jones. Great gal. And just been connecting with people here and then headed back. And then I have a trip down to Trinidad in a couple of weeks for Christmas. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Oh, that good holiday food, boy. Yeah. I know yeah. everybody's excited for that. The Caribbean food, yeah. So man, good. it was like so unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to love it, man. Yeah. It's your roots. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So today we want to talk about this dude. He's a rapper, singer, songwriter, music producer, and a financial educator. This man actually has a, a full album or albums out. He has music videos. He has done live stage performances. He rhymes. He's a lyrical poet, in case you didn't know it. <laughs> He's a real musician. And I met him also one day I walked into the bank. Really charismatic personality. And I also learned that day he was a financial wizard. He understands numbers and money. And it's oh, very man, rare. Yeah, it's very rare you meet someone who raps and who's good with numbers and has this stuff together. It's like amazing. But most importantly, what I admire this man for the most that makes him a true brother and friend is how devoted 
of a husband he is, how dedicated of a father he is, how much he cares about people. He is none other than Devon Big Dreams Wesley. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't even know who y'all was talking about for a moment. Man, I... <laughs> nah, thank you for that wonderful introduction, T. I appreciate that, man. I'm humble. I'm glad to be here with you, brothers. Y'all keep me in line. Y'all keep me inspired. I'm happy to do this with y'all, man. Every morning, getting up early, 6.30. Y'all ready to get into this? Let's do it. Let's baby. do it. Know yourself, know your worth. Who said that? A famous poet here. <laughs> Drake. <laughs> Uh, man, today's episode is just going to kind of take you through my life's journey. I'll tell you this. I want to shout out uh, my mother. She had a huge influence in my journey in my life at a young age, man. I just want to take some time to give her these roses while she's still alive and healthy. She just took a trip to Dubai. Like, she is my idol. Um, growing up in a single family household, one of the first lessons I learned was pride. I grew up not having a lot of money, and I knew this because of the neighborhoods we grew up in i would go to my friends houses and immediately notice a difference in like decor the style like the warmth of the house and the attention to detail based on the effort that my mom put in our home the same apartment complex but when you walked in you felt like you were in middle class suburbs somewhere because of the items she would purchase the rooms how she would have each room set up as if the room was saying something without you having to actually speak anything at all. Like everything had a certain energy and a certain feel. And I was just trying to figure out, you know, what makes you do these things? Why do we got to stand out so much? Why do we got to be different? You know, Joe's house isn't like this. They just have it like that. Sam's house isn't like this. They just have it like that. And, you know, everybody's kind of just chill. And she really taught me the lesson of doing things for yourself first. And taking and having integrity about what you do. And this was one of my first lessons in pride. I would remember um, as she was a minister of music at the church and how she would get herself together and just really be dressed down, what they call down to the nines, where dresses not flashy, but as stylish as a woman could dress in a conservative 90s day Southern Baptist church. The outfits were down to the jewels, down to the the colors. And then, you know, she would bring the heels together to match it. I'm like, this is my first lesson in style and having pride about your appearance and how you carry yourself. And I would notice how she interacted with others and how others would interact with her. It was always genuine, always sincere. She never, you know, looked down on people even because of that. But she always had so much energy to give because I felt she took that time in the morning to first give herself that energy, that extra detail, that extra attention. So by the time she got ready, that cultivated in something that she could then pass on to others. And I would notice how people would leave her presence with, you know, their chin up as if they were recognized, they were acknowledged, they felt better about their day. They then could take that energy and pass it on to someone else. Another lesson in pride, I grew up in urban <laughs> Orlando, Florida, the kids ran around sometimes with shoes on, sometimes with shoes off. We would put together basketball hoops out of milk cartons. Like, this is the environment we grew up in as far as my neighborhood friends. But knowing this, then knowing the contrast of what I've told you before, my mother created a circle of friends based on this pride that all were very like-minded. 
one being my godmother, Marsha Jackson, I'm gonna shout her out for a moment as well. She was one of my first educators and had so much charisma just oozing out of her, how she presented stories. They engaged me. She taught me about Black history. She taught me about Martin Luther King Jr., about Rosa Parks. She taught me about Frederick Douglass and the struggles that they had and how they were able to keep their dignity and maintain focus, even with all these challenges. And it taught me how to be proud of who I am based on understanding a culture of overcomers. And that kind of became my mantra and my start to the journey of knowing my worth and knowing who I am. Having these people in place, this village in place, really created something that was going to be dynamic in me because of who they led me to believe I was by instilling these notions of pride in me. That's kind of the first lesson that I really was introduced to as pride. I love that story, how your mom, how she dressed and how eloquent she was and how she showed up. I think that really translates to your self-worth and your inner dialogue and is how you present yourself. I'm not talking about wearing fancy brands or sneakers. Just take pride in how you present yourself. And it just shows a lot of how self-assured she was. Mm. And the other thing I took from that is an education of history. A lot of times we just don't know our culture. We don't know our history. We don't know where our family values come from. We don't know that. And just you learning those things, you could relate to a lot of these lessons in history and how it impacted your forefathers and how it impacted your life now. And you get so much value from that and self-worth you got from that, a pride you got from that. So that educating yourself is amazing. So true. So true. Speaking of that, my godmother, she would have these phrases that just always stuck with me. You know how they always say, you know, I'm black and I'm proud. Well, she taught me kind of not necessarily the opposite of that because she was often the loudest person in the room at times just based on her charisma and how she loved to educate people and how she made people feel. But she would say, being proud ain't about being loud. It's about caring mm -hmm. for others as much as you care for yourself. And that changed my perspective of what pride was for the longest time. I wanted to cultivate that energy of being able to show that I care for others, but knowing that I had to first wear it myself, even if it meant like literally wear it myself, put myself in the clothes that make me feel my best, that allow me to self-express, that allow me to, mm -hmm. you know, put myself in a mindset to where I can be ready for presentation. If I'm in a business workplace, put the suit on, put the tie on, get ready to take care of business, carry myself as though I'm going to be the example to this person that they may never have another opportunity to meet a black man in this situation with this education. You know, anytime I walked in, the first couple of times I met you, you presented yourself so well, not only in your voice and tonality, but the way you dressed, you were the most well-dressed in the office. You know, sometimes you go in a bank and it's a professional place. Guy might have his shirt off, his pants a little bit. You might look a little air rump, a little tired. You're always looking sharp and how you present yourself. I just remember that. Appreciate that, T. Thank you, man. Yeah. I send a compliment to my mother. <laughs> she really nice. instilled into me, man. For sure. For sure. Thank you. No, I dig that, man. I think people say your your appearance and your that first impression introduces yourself, you know, before you even say anything. And I mm. think that you taking pride in that is just an example of your self-worth. It's like you're speaking that 
you know, non-verbally into existence. And it's something that I think it plays into your whole morale and your whole embodiment, you know, and that's really what it is. I think you embodiment, embody your value of taking that pride and that attracts a different type of engagement. And I can relate to some of those things you were saying. It is, it's just something that like you can take pride in that and it turns into part of your identity in a good way. So. Yes, sir. And true identity and your self-worth is for me, like I said, the piece of that drew it out, like T mentioned, was knowing my history, learning my history, you know, learning the mistakes of people before me, learning the things that they overcame and finding out truly who I was based on understanding my culture, understanding my dynamics of why I do things. Understanding the why was a big piece of feeling more confident of who I was. And I have to say that that wasn't always the case. It didn't stay like that forever because as life challenges hit you, they challenge your identity. They challenge how you see yourself. When the next piece of this lesson I want to kind of transition into, not only was she a proud woman, but she was very cool. She just had a way of speaking to people, like I was telling you. And it was the power of tone. That's lesson number two in this, the power of tone. Her intonation, not just like music and being in tune, but she was truly in tune with her words. She was in tune with the energy levels of other people. She was in tune with the frequencies and she could match those frequencies mm. to really bring herself either up to someone's level of where they were or bring it down and slow her energy down to where they were and really connect to people where they were. So not just being in tune or being in tone, like I said, like metaphysically, but being in tone consciously with her words and how she said things. I remember if me and my sister ever got in trouble, my mom never had to raise her voice to check us. Like she would never have to raise her voice. She had a way of just coming down to your level. If I was only 36 inches high, she would squat down to me, look me directly in my eyes and say, I'm very disappointed in your actions and how you carried yourself today. The way you handled yourself after I said this, this, and this, when you did that, it hurt me. And I couldn't understand how someone with so much intelligence could make such a silly mistake. You're better than that. And your reflection to me. And I would just, it would crush me. <laughs> I would be like, oh, I let her down. <laughs> you know, so many times we see parents raise their voice and get angry and lose control and the message never get through. Mm. The mere fact that she kept her comportment and was able to communicate effectively and the effect it had on you, that's great. No, that's powerful. It really is. I think that's a high level of emotional intelligence. And that's a skill that we certainly can develop. But, you know, we talk about IQ all the time, but the emotional intelligence really allows us to connect with people and communicate effectively and thoroughly. And some people just like we've heard that term, some people are kind of tone deaf with music. I think there are some people that are missing out on connecting if they don't have that patience to really learn to empathize more and communicate. But it is a gift, but it's also, I think, a skill set that can be developed and it allows you to connect and meet people where they're at and I think build more bridges. So I can see how that could have such an impact on you and why it helps you relate to other people. And also it plays into your whole charismatic because you have that charisma you know what i mean and you mentioned before with your godmother like that's something that you certainly do have and that's something that 
continues to open up doors when you have that gift to be able to express your messages that you have. So I'm a big fan of that because I think it's something that you love to see that in other people. It's a lost art. It is, yeah. Man, I really blame my village for it. When you see the benefits of something, right? Like, Jay, you're always working out. Once you start seeing the benefits of them gains, you're like, oh, this could be a strength. This is going to help me lift the next set of weights. This is going to help me get through the next challenge. And that's mm -hmm. how I saw these lessons. Um, the unsaid lesson here is also the power of observation. I would observe my godmother and I'd observe my mom and I would observe even some of my cousins and some of the mistakes that they made. And I would say, you know what? I'm never making that mistake. That won't be me. And these are some things that I kind of held to to try to keep myself moving forward. But to bring it back to the point, tone. It was the way my mother spoke to people and how she connected to people. They always left either lifted or they left enlightened, you know, because not every conversation, you're just trying to lift somebody up every time. Sometimes you got to get a message across and her sincerity and how she held her composure, even in conflict, gave me such power, especially as a black man. They say, if you want to have challenges in the world, be a black man. <laughs> and that's not always the case for everybody because we all come from different walks of life. But she knew the unique journey that I might have. And she was so aware of that and hyper aware of it. She gave me the tools to navigate it. Now, like I said, I grew up in a single family household. And like I tell you, it was opposite stories. When I go to my dad's house, you know, and visit him on, say, weekends or during the summer sometimes, he would say, man, the man this, the man that. And it kind of created a fear in me where I didn't become as confident in who I was. Not throw my dad on the bus. He was trying to just people project their experiences upon you, right? And you have to learn, well, what tools do I really need? And what is he really saying in this moment that I should pull away? And what should I leave on the table? Because that's not actually going to help me be who I need to be. So that's the message of tone and how my mom came across stuck with me. She connected with me because of how she spoke and how she was able to speak clearly, articulately, sincerely, and genuinely, consistently. I understood that how she was able to make connections and also how she was able to get through to me. My dad's tone was almost fear-based and very strong, like macho, like you got to do it this way. Don't do it. This and it completely threw me off, you know? So the power of tone I learned could build someone up or it could really strip them of who they are. I think that's a great lesson for the listener to take that away, that the power of tone, the power of voice, the power of communication, it's things we overlook today. And just like in a previous episode where we talked about kindness, it's one of the most overlooked attributes of success. I think this piece as well is one of the most overlooked um, attributes of success to be able to enlighten someone, to uplift someone through the power of tone. It's a great skill set to develop. Yeah, because you're meeting people at the level that they're at again. And how you say things is more important than what you say. You see it in your body language. But also, if you're saying something to somebody, you say, I need you to help me out with this, you know, compared to, hey, you know, I, I would love to ha have some help here. Can you help me type of thing? Mm -hmm. And you can say in so many different things, get me that. And there's so many different examples of the tone, the way you're asking for things and directing and telling people. And it can trigger people. And this is the science, because I learned this a lot when I went through some relationship therapy, is 
there's triggers in tone. So listen, if mm. you were a kid and you heard your mother or father yelling or, or whatnot, and then you hear that, it can take you into this defensive state. So think about that. How you hear things is going to trigger and you might not even recognize that. Now, at the same time, if you hear a very loving communication where somebody's at your level, you're more likely to open up. So if people are opening up, you're allowing that flow of energy to go in and out. And that truly is a big difference maker in how you're connecting with people. And then you're also able to collaborate with people and grow ideas so much better, more thorough. Yes, sir. Like from conflict resolution, like you were saying, to collaboration, as you were saying, Jay, it all plays a part in how you connect and how you problem solve and how you move through life. And I love the way my mother moved through life. She would go places, like we moved to Virginia later on when I was very young, about 12 or so from Orlando, where we grew up, which was more hood and Virginia had a little bit more diversity, which was nice. You know, I went from an all black middle school and elementary school to like a very mixed school in my high school years and more diversity and more people and more people that didn't look like me. And then in certain parts of Virginia, they were still very traditional in how they thought. And I didn't experience this until I got to a place that had more diversity, more thoughts that were put in the pool, put in the pot, and more perspectives that some people truly believe based on how they grew up and their own experiences. And how do you speak to people when they truly believe what their experience have led them to believe? And I've came to also adopt my own thoughts and feelings as I got through this age of adolescence up and through college. So fast forward, after I learned the lesson of tone, we get to a place of, you know, dreams is in college. I'm almost full ride scholarship engineering. You know, I'm living the dream that my mother laid out for me. She's like, hey, this is what you're going to be. This is who you are. This is how you're going to move through life. And I feel like I'm starting to do well until... I run to the challenge of self-identity. I get to college and everybody's intelligent. Everybody's parents kind of gave them this ideal of who they are. This is like the American dream for the urban youth to get here. So everybody's on the same train now. So now I have to adjust my perspective of myself because everybody's intelligent. Everybody's smart. Everybody's working hard. Everybody has a little bit of charisma in this stage. And I'm like, well, dang, well, maybe I'm not as special as I thought I was. And then it changes for me as well because I'm no longer a youth in Virginia. I'm an adult in Virginia. Southern, still below the Bible Belt. So I had a moment to where I was 19 and I was pulled over. I thought it was like a regular traffic stop or whatever. I thought it was cool. But I will tell you, I had like a red Chicago Bulls jersey that I got. I had a red fitted on. And, you know, I thought I was fresh. I'm feeling myself because, you know, pride is what I was taught. So this is my presentation at this moment. This is my energy. I'm feeling fresh. I want to feel this way. I wasn't going here or there outside of it being night. I had a BMW that I purchased myself. So I, I was really feeling good. And then I will say I was playing Jeezy. <laughs> I had uh, these jack cameras in the back of my trunk. So I felt good. But when I got pulled over, this cop didn't really approach me the way that I thought I saw myself in the moment. And you know, he asked me to step out the car. He looked at my bags, like he dumped my bags out, like just start pulling books and things out of my bag. And my bag was in the back seat. I was like, I can get it. He's like, no, don't go. Like, and he touches his waist. And so I'm like scared. 
because I'm out on this two-lane road in Virginia. It's not a lot of lights. It's me on this kind of back road. And this guy just kind of reached for his gun. Like, I was just going to get my books. I'm a college student. I'm not even involved in any of that in this place. So I'm sitting down and leaning my back, sitting on the tire of the car. He didn't handcuff me, but he told me to sit down while he looked through my back seat and everything, my books on the floor. I'm like, I just bought these books like two weeks ago. You know, college books are expensive. So the things that I'm proud about, seeing them on the ground, I'm like, what, he don't think I can read? Like, <laughs> what is he searching for? And it just shook me a certain way to where things that I learned, the pride began to turn into a cockiness because I became this person who was not very sure of themselves anymore. The charisma that I naturally had became more of a obnoxious energy because it was no longer in a place of control or a place of understanding. I was trying to project the identity of who I started or who I felt others thought me to be. And it started to change me. And I was looking for solutions and the words and the energies that would come back were, the man don't care about this, the man don't care about that. In hindsight, I didn't know that was still in me. You know, the lessons that I, I learned from my dad and the energy of how he taught those lessons, the anger came back. And I didn't know I ever had that type of anger because of my mom's tone. Whenever I was corrected, she expressed so much patience, right? So it just kind of shows you and it really helped me identify myself. Even when I went through writing this segment and really trying to dive deep into this story of, well, what three lessons can I take out of life? That was an epiphany for me, like, dang, this was therapy going through this motion of this interview style of a podcast. So I appreciate you allowing us to do this, T. This was self-enlightening. But because of this cockiness and this new persona I was taking on, I began to, you know, I still had the skills, still had the charisma. So I had three jobs. I could talk myself to almost any job I thought I could, but these weren't really high paying jobs. I was just working myself to death. I started making money. I started connecting with other guys that kind of thought the way I thought about life. And these guys, I didn't meet these friends on campus. So I'm hanging out with the wrong group of friends, trying to dive into more entrepreneurial <laughs> endeavors that were not yet legal. And <laughs> the best way I can explain it right now uh, to be PC, but, you know, the friends that I was connecting with, they had a similar mentality, but maybe that's how they started. Or maybe they did have the start that I had. And somewhere it switched. But I really learned how people see you can start to affect how you see yourself in this moment. Mm. And I think that was one of the biggest pieces that I learned in this moment of growing through adolescence to where I thought I had it. So now I'm making money. I'm dressing even fresher. I'm wearing chains. I'm presenting that I have it, even though inside I'm struggling with trying to identify who I truly am. And the person that I started as, the pride that my godmother put in me, the pride that my mom instilled in me, the patience, how to speak to people with tone became more profanity and disrespect because that's what gained respect in those environments. And I started to lose the things that I was grounded with, starting in private Christian school community, then transition to public school. Like, I wasn't me, you know? Right. Wow, that's, that's powerful. I mean, I want to add, first of all, it's hard for me to relate something like that is things that we can take for granted, like being in a scenario like that where you feel you're shook because 
there's a big level of uncertainty and confusion and you have a lack of real foundational safety and that has to just challenge you know at such a deep level and i can understand some of the identity crisis a little bit in the sense that i was so hungry to fit in and i had struggled at different times with my self-worth and i think after doing work in much later years i realized that i had some self-limiting beliefs and blocks although mm. i put on a good show and i had this armor to try to fit in I didn't believe it to the core because I think there were still some blocks that I had to work through and really get that acceptance. And for me, I think that as much as I didn't think I needed it, I needed acceptance from a male figure, from you know, brother or father that I didn't get enough. And so I was hungry and starved for it through the people around me in my community. And that could shift sometimes, like trying to fit into these different areas. So I just see some relation in, in that story a little bit. And there's some things I can't relate to at all whatsoever that at the same time. So I appreciate you sharing that. I thank you for speaking to it. I love what we're doing here in the manhood experiment. I always tell people when I'm talking to my friends, I'm like, it's three guys from three different walks of life. And for some reason, every episode, we find common ground with each other. This is almost like our therapy. So I know if it's helping us, I feel positive that it's helping somebody else. T, what were you going to say, man? I feel like when you start off and there's a foundation in life, you think things are going well. And then even for me, adolescence, early 20s, dark period of my life. I'm curious to know, now that you're in this place where it's almost like your ego is acting up here and you have success in a, in a sense, but you're losing yourself. Mm. How do you come out of this now? What's, what's a transformation that happens here? What triggers the transformation from here? The lifestyle started to become uh, repetitive and I really started to see friends that I thought were going to leave after school and things like that. They stayed in the area. They actually finished school. I dropped out of college, but they finished school and still get jobs that were like not in line with their careers. Very chill things that they may have been able to do. They needed a degree to do, but it wasn't really helping to change their lifestyle and things were getting very repetitive for them. And those are kind of the people I would speak to as confidants, like, you know, how to move. And nobody could tell me. All of a sudden, you know, seasons changed, certain jobs that I was depending on slowed down. So the money slowed up. The things that I was doing, the extracurricular activities that I was working on, things got hot over there. So that money slowed up. Like, And when your money slows up, it changes your lifestyle. Hey, listeners, this is Big Dreams. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for listening to today's episode of The Manhood Experiment. Please follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Manhood Experiment. There, you'll find the latest giveaways and some very funny behind-the-scenes moments. Now, back to the show. I finally was off of the ramen noodle, sleeping on just a mattress in the room lifestyle. I finally got out of that. I had a bed, y'all. <laughs> I had a bed. I had a car. I was working. I was moving. I bought my car myself. I felt confident through the summers and everything. But when all that stuff slows down and the money slows down, and then uh, Jay, you remember you were talking about in your episode how the guy called you and he was like, "Yeah, uh, I would like to repossess your car, sir." And you were like, "Yeah, could you please tell me where you live?" And you're like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't the same guy who was my repo person. Yeah. The dude who got my car was like the assassin mode. I didn't even know the engine yeah. turned on or 
I went out the next morning. I thought somebody stole my car. <laughs> oh, oh, shoot. But my car was repossessed. I had to call my mom at the all this time of trying to kind of similar to your situation where you wanted to let your family know that, hey, I'm doing okay, that I've got it, I'm figuring it out. I had that type of pride and chip on my shoulder where I didn't want to call anybody to let them know that after doing okay for a summer or two, I'm now struggling, you know? Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's a reality slap in the face. This is my humbling experience. So I had to call my mom. I had to tell the guys, yo, I'm not going to be able to pay this last month's rent. He's like, so you stand or you leave? And I was like, I got to leave. The next morning, not even in the same 24 hours, I put my stuff in my car, pack as much as I can. I leave the mattress. <laughs> And I head up to Maryland. This wasn't the same time of the car repossessed. This is the same time the car repossessed. So I had to call my mom and she actually helped me get my car back, which is so embarrassing. Gotcha. So embarrassing. This is like, this is a low point for me to where obviously my credit was affected and things like that with this time frame. The only other option was to move back and regroup. So I moved to Maryland. And when I moved to Maryland, I came up there with the idea that I would be helping out, you know, my nephews and things like that. And it turns out that my nephews honestly would be helping out with me. Let me give you the situation. I moved back in. It's a two-bedroom apartment. My mom is there. My sister's there. My sister's boyfriend is there. I have two nephews being born. And then also around this time, another nephew is being created. So this is a two-bedroom apartment with six people, human beings, living in it. I'm sleeping on the couch. Sometimes I'm sleeping in my mom's bed as she goes to work at night. And when she comes back, I'm leaving for work. She's sleeping. Bunk bed is in the same room as my mom's master bedroom because it's only two bedrooms. My sister's room is next door. Her boyfriend sleeps on the couch sometimes. So sometimes I can't even sleep on the couch. So it's just chaos. Every morning, every night, it's chaos. What begins to change me, like this is probably the most humbling experience I've ever had in life. Not only did I move back at home, but I moved back in an unprepared home. Sometimes when you move back home, you still got your room, right? (laughs) I didn't have a room. This is a new location. My mom was trying to actually level up, and we followed her. (laughs) We slowed down her plans. Darn kids. <laughs> you raise them right, they come back, they throw your plans off. But <laughs> this humbling experience gave me perspective because what happened is I noticed the opportunity to help guide and mentor my nephews. You know, they would come home, nobody was really helping them with homework. I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus when I say this, but this is the situation. Nobody was helping with homework. The school was right across the street and they were just, they were missing school. One of my nephews is almost in trouble of having to restart that grade again. And this is elementary school. I'm like, no kids should have to restart any grade in elementary school. So I started picking up the slack. I started seeing how the interactions with my sister and my mom are, and some of these are not pleasant. And just the chaos and the dynamics that that caused her not feeling appreciated in her own home. And what was needed and it started to cultivate an identity of where I could be and what positions I could fill in and what I could do to help out the situation. So I really hung close to my nephews and started guiding them, start mentoring, start hanging out with them, playing ball with them, helping them with homework, teaching them how to read, teaching my youngest nephew 
how to tie his shoes. And it gave me purpose again. And it helped me remember kind of what my mom was for me when I was younger and educating them on black history, educating them on like who Michael Jackson is. Everybody's got their own views, but you know, you're still the king of pop. Like if you don't know these people, if you don't know who Michael Jordan is, where are you? What are you doing? So really kind of bringing back this culture of understanding of pride for them the same way it was instilled in me. So it's kind of like hindsight 2020, everything's coming full circle. The lessons that I learned at a young age, I'm now having to teach them and put in a place to teach these lessons. And now I have to be an example. I was still working at Home Depot during this time. And I was like, this job is not cutting it for me. Eventually, I got let go just based on me not having enough sense and urgency to get there on time. So I'm learning a lot of lessons in one time, in one moment, being humbled, 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 humbled. My mom's pressuring me like, hey, you need to get a job. You need to get a job. I'm doing the interviews. I'm trying this. I'm trying that. And I'm like, these jobs are not where I want to be. These are low-level jobs. I need to do something that fits and allows me to use my full potential. So I applied to work at a bank and went in the financial industry. So I was like, okay, let's do this. Got a job there, hired, but still I don't have a car. So I'm traveling one bus in the morning. I'm traveling on the metro and then another 15 minutes to actually get to where I'm going to be working. So it's about two hours and 15 minutes of my morning just traveling after preparing my nephews to get ready for school and then trying to find time still to work on music whenever that time allotted itself. So this was being humbled and it also created a place of uh, persistence for me because I had to learn how to be persistent, how to fight through because they needed the example. And during this time, it's kind of when my wife first noticed me again. We connected in college, if people don't know that. But then later on, me and my wife reconnected in this time of my life in Maryland. And what she said attracted her the most was just my attention to my nephews and me keeping a humble spirit after having to walk to the bus stop, wait for the bus stop 15 minutes in the cold. Oh, my gosh. If you know the East Coast, it gets cold. It's not like San Diego cold, y'all. It's like brick. So being able to travel, then two hours there, two hours back, then still having the energy to work on music and work my unique goals. This is my humbling experience. And this is kind of what got me back. Having accountability for my nephews allowed me to have more accountability of my time, more accountability of myself. So being late and all these things that I started to slack and do started to change me because I started to regain my self-worth by putting myself in a place to where I can help someone else. So when you help others, I feel like service is one of the best things you can do for yourself. When you find a place to serve others, you find identity in who you are and what you can bring to the table. You're exercising skills that you grew up with, the charisma of helping others in the financial industry. I'm putting all the pieces together now of my charisma, of my ability to work numbers, of my ability to understand people with tone. This is literally the right place for me to be, to exercise all three skills together. And it's kind of full circle, as I told you back in Virginia, I've seen people get their degrees and people actually finish school and do other things and they still weren't exercising or living their full potential. And I could tell in their tone and how when we spoke and connected, there would be things that were off because I, it's always been a gift to be in tune with people emotionally, right? So you can tell. And I'm finally living this potential where I'm doing all three things and I'm developing a better identity 
of who I am. I'm starting to look the part again. I'm starting to care about my physical well-being, exercising and eating better, and even being in this two-bedroom apartment. All of a sudden, life changes, right? So I want to say something. Oh, go ahead. I love how the story builds from chaos to you finding purpose. And from purpose, you learn responsibility. Mm. And that translates to your life now where you're a father now and you've been through those motions of being responsible and taking care of your nephews and, and getting them to school and making sure they have homework done and stuff like that. That foundation built from there. And it just goes to show even in extreme circumstances where there's a lot of chaos, things are toxic, things are not looking up, you could find purpose within that and from there grow. So that's a beautiful story. Yeah, man. Um, my nephews really gave me something to hold on to. You know, I thought that I was coming there, like I said, to help them. In hindsight, they truly, and I'm getting choked up as I say it, because I really understand just the blessing that they were to me and what they gave me. They gave me so much more back of myself because they gave me something to hold on to in such a crazy time in my life. And it came to a point to where my sister, something happened. My mom wanted to move, but she says, hey, nobody else is moving but Devon and the boys because they need somebody here. And my sister was checking in on them, which was cool, bringing groceries and things like that to the house. Just imagine the situation of them and their stability and my role and having that important piece and knowing that I have to play this role. And she eventually says, hey, I'm just going to need a little help for some time. Can you watch them for a couple of weeks? I'm not going to stop by these two weeks. It turned into like three years of me really watching my nephews and being that person. Of course, my mom was still there to help provide a roof over the house and things like that. But she was working two jobs all the time. So it was really me managing them in a sense. And that grew me. I was like, I got to change this whole situation. I have to be better. I had to become who I said I was going to be. They're looking at me. And it pushed me in such a way to become more. It pushed me to want more. Great, Sharon. Uh, we're on top of the hour. You want to leave us with the experiment? Honestly, man, I want you guys to have the same experience that I kind of went through with going through this interview process of trying to find three or four gems out of my life, four lessons out of my life that... I can pull from different seasons of my life. And it helps you kind of get the breadcrumbs from A, where you started, and B, where you are now. And really, you know, how Jay always says, take inventory of that. Maybe spend some time, get an hour to yourself, and write these things down. You'll be surprised how naturally things start to flow and how your emotions reconnect you and take you back to those moments. So that's the experiment I would share with you guys because I would love for y'all to also experience what I was able to experience in my journey of writing things out, journaling, and really taking inventory of who I am, what I forgot, and how I came to remember. So I hope this all helps you all out. Thank you all for listening and allowing me to be vulnerable with you guys. I appreciate my brothers here, J-Dragon, T-Rex, for your support and allowing me to share my story. I'm hoping you guys, you know, brought your, your hot sauce, your good sauce, your barbecue sauce, because there was a lot of nuggets in that thing, boy. 
<laughs> I was learning as I was teaching. My grandmother said, either you're going to learn something or you're going to teach something. What you doing today? So take that with you. We love y'all. I hope y'all had a great time hanging out with us today. J-Dragon, T-Rex, anything left for y'all? That's it. That's it. It's a great show. We signing off. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story. Love it. This is the Manhood Experiment. We'll see y'all next episode. Yo. Boom. Hey, what's up? This is Big Dreams. Thank you for checking out today's episode of the Manhood Experiment. If you like today's episode, please subscribe and give us five stars. Not only does your feedback matter, but it helps us to connect with others just like you that find value in our weekly episodes. So subscribe, share, and speak with your friends and family about today's episode. And most importantly, take care of yourself, keep growing, and join us again on the next episode of The Manhood Experiment. This summer, dive into the many cools of San Antonio. Because as soon as the temperature rises, so does the fun, the flavors, the excitement, and the many cool things that make our city the perfect summer getaway destination. Come keep cool with amazing pools at the best hotels, refreshing adventures both indoor and outdoor, inspiring history and culture, culinary wonders, and the hottest nights of your life at the coolest spots in Texas. To plan the coolest summer vacation, dive in to visitsanantonio.com slash summer.